2: Hello, I'm Jane Perrone, the host of this very same podcast all about houseplants. It's On The Ledge. I think I'm bringing you part one of my adventures in the Netherlands. Now, in my son, when I told him I was going to the Netherlands, thought I was going to a place called the Nether in Minecraft, which is one of his current obsessions. I had to explain that no, it's not a virtual world within his Xbox, but it's actually a genuine, real place. But specifically, I was visiting a place not that far from Amsterdam called Almere, where there are many greenhouses packed with wonderful plants that I wanted to see. So this week we'll be hearing about my adventures at the Flora Holland Trade Show at Alsemere, which is a brilliant, enormous, gigantic show filled with all kinds of companies promoting their house plants. I went with the Joy of Plants, which is kind of like the outreach arm of the Flower Council of Holland promoting Dutch growers of plants. Just to be totally transparent, they paid for my flight and a night's hotel room, but they didn't pay me to go along. And of course, they've had absolutely no control over what comes out in this podcast. So it's all my very own unique thoughts unfiltered by anybody else. I'm sure you'll be delighted to hear. Oh, and you'll also be hearing from my old buddy, James Wong, who was also on the trip. So I've got some audio of us chatting about houseplants at the show. Yes, we do sound like two kids in a candy store, I'm afraid to say. So this week I'm going to be bringing you some of the trends, the plants and the people I met at the show next week. I'll take a look at the nurseries that I visited and what I discovered there. Also in this episode, I'm answering a really fascinating listener question that had me completely stumped when I first heard it. So I shared the question with Facebook Group members of houseplant fans are on the ledge and as usual you came up trumps with lots of answers. So listen out for that a bit later. If you happen to live in Europe then the chances are that many many of the houseplants you own will be grown in Dutch nurseries because this really is the centre of the houseplant growing world in Europe. I guess the equivalent in the US would probably be a lot of the nurseries that exist in places like Florida. Let me start by telling you some of the stranger things that I saw at the show. These aren't necessarily things you're gonna like or want to buy, but it's just fascinating to see what is being thought up in these growers' minds. First up, live in wax. I couldn't quite believe it when I saw this, but it was a double Z plant, Zamiococcus samifolia, or Zanzibar gem, one of those plants that's always being described as indestructible. And I guess they were testing that theory to the absolute limits with this plant because it was presented completely bare of soil with bare roots, except the roots had been dipped in a white wax. Check out my show notes at janeperone.com for a picture of what this looked like. The same kind of wax that they put on amaryllis bulbs that are sold for the Christmas market. I guess the idea there is to provide something that looks dramatic and therefore doesn't need to be put in any soil. And the principle is the same for the double Z plant. The claim is that this plant will survive for months and months with no water. I mean, ultimately, as somebody who loves their plants, it seems a bit sad that this plant is ultimately going to die because it just has no access to any water. But I can see how this kind of novelty might draw people in. Is the argument that we've had before about painted succulents. Really, is this something we want to use as a way of attracting new people into the houseplant trend? Or is it ultimately damaging our appreciation of houseplants? I guess that's one to discuss at length. Personally, it's not something I'd buy, but I can't see why it's that much of a problem if it's going to provide a new avenue to get more people interested in plants along the same vein there was also makeups now this was a more subtle version of the painted succulent imagine taking an eyeshadow brush and some rather subtle pastel eyeshadow shades to plants like kalanchos well that's what they've done with makeups these plants look like they've had a spray paint with a very subtle pastel colour. So you had Magic Bells Calencos, which normally have green flowers, which looked pale purple, um, and orchids that had been sprayed in particularly sugary shades of pink, and Phytonias that had purple veins rather than white veins. Again, take a look at the show notes for some images if you want to see what these look like. I guess it's the more palatable end, as I say, of the painted succulent trend. Again, not something I'd be investing in, but I can see that some people might find this appealing. I'm going to read out what it says on one of the labels I saw. Women and men are wearing makeup for centuries to enhance the body, to look attractive or just for fun. We are producing our makeups, flowers and plants for the same reason without damaging the flower or plant probably the least palatable for me anyway of the painted plant trend was the singlo phalaenopsis orchid that i saw now these singlo phalaenopsis have been bred to produce just one a single very large flower a bit like certain other species of orchids will do i guess some people just like the appeal of that single focus on a one particular bloom anyway All well and good. Don't have a big problem with that. But in this case, this singolo orchid had been painted with a black and white marbled color and it looked really quite uh, revolting, to be quite honest (laughs) to me anyway. Um, I'll post a picture of that in my show notes if you want to take a look at that one. There were other things I saw that really were much more up my street. For example, a wonderful example of a trailing Tillandsia usnioides used as a draping over a glo- globe-shaped light fitting, which looked absolutely amazing. And I can definitely see that in my front room. There was one particular plant stand that as soon as we walked inside, James and I knew that we were in houseplant heaven. There's loads of background noise in this clip. It's a really, really busy place, but hopefully you can get a sense of the barely contained excitement of myself and James as we saw some very exciting houseplants. We're here at Flora Holland. How excited are you, James, on a scale of 1 to 10? It's just so ridiculously huge walking
1: in here. And I don't know, it has to be 10. There's just so many weird and wonderful things like I've only seen on Instagram. Like this begonia, it's called old school here, but I know this as a new introduction from Papua New Guinea in like the last 10 years. Brevi Rimosa. And I've never seen it outside of Instagram in Europe. And look at the size of it. And there's just one stand, there's like five or six things that it's almost like seeing a mythical animal in real life because I know about it in pictures. Amazing.
2: This is the uh, Eden collection stand that we're on. And you're right, this is... uh, To to overuse a phrase that I overuse a lot, a cornucopia of delights, James. (laughs) Um, I'm also loving uh, this which is kind of not that interesting but that's that's a Peperomia I've never seen before in a Neither shop Peperomia Langorius
1: it's really textural so it's not. it doesn't have the bells and whistles but that as a kind of an accent plant if you had under planting within something is spectacular and this enough.
2: Peperomia another one this L- Peperomia, Leodensis that is another one that's totally new to me uh, you, you
1: know when, know when you see something that just looks so atypical of what you have an idea as a Peperomia yeah. this almost looks like a really big impatiens but has a swollen Thick stem, almost like you know, a kind of a podium or a primaria or something, and then it turns out the label is a peperomia. It's just, it's one of these that's going kind to of messes with your mind. So some really amazing bits and pieces here. There's an asplenium over here, and I've seen this on a, a nursery in Thailand's website. So asplenium, I think nidus, but instead of having that standard kind of tongue-shaped leaf. It's completely riveted, almost like it's been cut into. And at the end of every single leaf, there's a miniature plant stuck on the end of it, um, like a like a spider plant would have. It's, I mean, as a botanist, I would never even know that was an asplenium.
2: That is that is That's, rather special. Okay.
1: And then next to the asplenium, a philodendron which looks more like a splenium <laughs> than a philodendron. It's almost like they've taken the labels and have messed around with us. So this is um,
2: philodendron bipyfinitidum. By by uh, I'm, I'm going to have to take a photo of that to get the name right. That's
1: but. not like the standard. <laughs> I can never say it. By by it doesn't look like it.
2: Vipyfinitidum. Yeah, well, I, this is a, I think we've struck gold, gold dust here. This is a good um, stand that we're on here lots of lovely things that we're used to seeing now like the begonia maculata but lots of other things and this this crocodile fern that's becoming very popular I think that's Microsorum. that, that the point
1: of this stand. I'm sorry looking up and there's yeah. lots of like exotic pictures of rainforests and stuff which isn't the standard houseplant marketing yeah. I think that's their stick isn't it they've got the weird and wonderful mechanics. Yeah, which things.
2: is wh- why we're so happy yeah. right now
1: <laughs> I might move in <laughs> that right. looks a lot like uh, Papagonia pavanina but massive yeah um, but it has iridescent leaves if you grow it in the dark like blue iridescence this is a sissus that I've been trying to go for ages and I'll be able to get a whole amazonica
2: that's nice definitely some
1: weird things here
2: I need to go and take lots of photos now mm. <laughs> So as you can hear, James and I both got pretty excited about the plants in the Eden Collection. I'll link their website in the show notes. I've put in a request to see if their plant hunter, Obed Smith would like to come on the show and talk about what he does. We'll see if we get taken up on that offer. But Eden Collection certainly looks like a company to be watching out for in your local garden centre.
0: In Puerto Rico,
2: we
1: call ourselves Boricua. We're proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you. Strangers aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music. And we celebrate every last ray of sun.
2: Live, Boligua.
0: Mother's Day is almost here.
2: Going back to the double Z plant in the wax, there were a lot of bare roots on display at this show and not always encased in wax. Another company that we came across was Life on Lava. They're selling houseplants that are attached to a chunk of lava rock with the bare roots kind of tumbling over the sides, uh, all placed in a dish of water below. So the lava rock being very porous draws up the water, to the plant. This was an interesting one. I can kind of see why these are very attractive to somebody who wants a house plant that looks a bit different. I was there with James Wong who absolutely fell in love with these and in fact has been experimenting with his own versions at home and of course he wanted the absolutely massive plant. Uh, I don't think they've made many of these just because they're so huge. There were also a lot of plants being water cultured, particularly things like Clusias and Sansevierias and double Z plants. Lots of them being served up in glass jars with water in the bottom so you could see the roots. So that was obviously something that lots of growers had latched onto as a new growing trend. And if you remember back to the Chelsea Flower Show, we already talked about that with Ian Drummond with his IKEA display there, which had a lot of water cultured Sansevierias on display. I also stumbled across a rather nice Streptocarpus, I know, I know, I'm always going on about Streptocarpus, called Snowlina, except to me it looked, the leaves certainly looked like those of a Primulina, I couldn't quite work out what was going on there. It had white, quite delicate flowers with a yellow throat, and I'm on a mission to find out a bit more about who's bred this plant and the story behind it, Uh, but I haven't done that yet, so hopefully I'll find out something more and bring that to you in a future podcast. And a final trend to mention was the fact that the plants of the past are most definitely coming back in their hordes. We already know that Sansevieria is back in, and of course, Monstera, but there are a few others that for a while have been living in the doldrums that are definitely back in fashion. One of the main ones was Polyceus or the Aurelia plant, the dinner plate Aurelia, Polyceus Balfouriana, and the Ming Aurelia, Polyceus fruticosa. These tree like plants are, were very, very popular at the show. And there were some really teeny tiny ones which looked like parsley trees, which were Ming Aurelias, the Fruticosa type. Uh, these were looked amazing and really took me back to the 1980s. I got them mixed up with Radamacara <laughs> temporarily uh, until uh, somebody reminded me that they're actually Ming Aurelias and dinner plate aralias. But there was another plant that I had never seen before that luckily James knew well from his past. Here we are back at the centre of the show. We're here at the Royal Flora Holland uh, display, at the centre of this huge, enormous, enormous trade fair. Uh, and I'm—we're just looking at a plant which I'd never even heard of. It doesn't didn't ring a single bell in my head. It's called Pedilanthus Mystery Planet. James, tell me a bit about what you know about this plant.
1: Sorry. I haven't seen this for like 30 years. In, I don't know about the UK, but the 80s in Singapore, this is like a really standard hedging plant. I haven't seen it in ages. So we used to call it devil's backbone. because in the center where the, these um, corrugated, uh, diamond-shaped leaves are coming off. And in this particular one has some variegation. This is kind of a, a very stout cane. I think it must be euphorbiacy, because I remember as a kid you break it open and it has this milky sap. I used to hate this stuff. Super easy to <laughs> propagate. But I haven't seen that, like, l- literally since, like, 1989 when I was in primary school.
2: Coming at us from the 80s. When well, it's coming back.
1: And <laughs> like the Ninja Turtles, they're back.
2: What else do you see here that you like? Do you like this Xanthosoma lime, which is very limey? Really
1: re- well, I mean, lime is the right word, right? It's super refreshing. I love Xanthosoma. It's a bit bright for me. A bit, like, I, I like things that look as if they've, you've picked it out of the Borneo rainforest, you know. And that is highlighter- <laughs> like apple green. Um but I mean in the right context it definitely bring light into a dark room. It's really brightens things up.
2: And we're seeing lots of kalanchos here of all kinds, foliage uh focused and also flowery. And over the back there we've got another one, I'm not sure what this is called actually. Uh this kind of pink flowered one.
1: It's massive as well, isn't it?
2: They're big with a sort of a, a dark purple um tinge to the foliage and the other thing we've got here is some anthuriums which seem to be everywhere Um, this one olivius with the olive coloured cracks I'm
1: not sure about that one not sure about that one I I think it's interesting that it's not white or red which they used to all be and they started introducing a new like pistachio tones and funnily enough this is a cut flower the the interesting coloured ones tend to only be available as cut flower I Uh, guess florists are demanding more weird and wonderful colours and you know home gardeners maybe not so much so it tends to be that the ones you see in the shops are either white red or pink so I might get I would hate to have a normal anthurium but if they were available in these weird colours that you know could actually match an interior better than standard white or red I'd go for it
2: I'm just going to look around here because I think there's another one that I like the look of this one, uh, Anthurium Jumbo Black. Very, very dark red chocolatey bracts on this one.
1: It looks like it's been dipped in it sugar l- syrup. like it Literally lo- <laughs> every part of it is emitting gloss. It's like so what shiny. What have they
2: put on there to make that so shiny? That, that, I'm wondering, that can only
1: be um, gloss spray, isn't it? Yeah, it's got to it be. It looks almost wow. like it could be natural, but no, it's coming off of
2: my hand. No, because there's it's one leaf there, been, there that's not yeah. been treated and it's definitely So different. glossy. That's <laughs> nice. Just one last trend to talk about, which was plants for children. Now, oftentimes gardening for children is branded in a way that really winds me up. I can't really explain it, but it's always kind of cutesy and a bit kind of irrelevant uh, to the way that my kids certainly want to interact and grow plants they want real plants which are going to survive longer than five minutes and they want to learn about what they're going to have to do with them. And a lot of products just aren't designed that way. They're designed to be five minute wonders that are then thrown away. But I did come across something called Swamp World, which I was rather impressed with. This is a small compact tank in which three carnivorous plants, Venus Flytrap, a Saracenia hybrid and a Drosera or Sundew hybrid are growing. It's got a little LED light on the top which is battery powered and it actually looks very clean and smart and something that I could really imagine in my children's bedroom. And I can imagine that these plants might actually do fairly well under these conditions provided that you do the usual rules about using rainwater and so on. But I was rather impressed with these I'm not sure how widely available they are, but they're definitely something to look out for if you are interested in getting your kids into carnivorous plants. Although, of course, if you wanted to create one of these yourself for your kids, you could just go out and buy a large square glass vase, add an LED light from the likes of Ikea or your favourite LED grow light supplier on the top and buy the plants yourself and make this up quite easily. But if you want something that's pre-packaged, this looks ideal. There was also a product called Snaily. <laughs> now, this was the marketing of a plant called Dischidia pectinoides, the ant plant, which has kind of snail like leaves. It's produced as a plant that's in a tube, a glass tube or a plastic tube. I'm not sure which uh, with a snail shell where the plant is planted in the bottom. So you can hang it up in this real snail shell. Now, Deciudia pectinoides is an interesting plant in itself in that it has a symbiotic relationship with ants in the wild and they are attracted to the plant. They bring in nutrients for the plant and they stop predators taking hold. So a nice little arrangement they've got going with one another. Now, you can buy these Deschidias in this fancy setup, but it's also worth bearing in mind that if you decide to just buy uh, Snaily as a as a bog standard Deschidia pectinoides, without the Snaily branding, it's probably going to be cheaper. Sorry, I know I'm a party pooper, but I do like to get my plants for a bargain. <laughs> and you're paying extra for the branding, I think, with the Snaily product. But, you know, it's something that would make a wonderful Christmas present for a child and I'm sure will go down very well. Well, that's all from my reflections on my Dutch trip for this week. I'll be bringing you more about the three nurseries we visited in next week's show. For now, it's time to move on to question of the week, which came via Instagram where I'm j.l.perone and came from Pinesnake, who says, hey, I got to ask now or I'll forget later. How about native houseplants? Are there any British native houseplants that are kept? This person is in California and obviously wants to know exactly what we're growing here in the UK. I was initially completely caught out by this question and I couldn't think of a single thing. It's partly due to the fact that, hey, actually, sadly, there aren't very many native plants relatively speaking compared to the total number of plants we go here grow here in the UK that are natives it's all to do with the ice age and the fact that lots of our plants got wiped out so many plants that people think are our natives actually turn out to be things that were brought over with the Romans the only one I could think of was helix, or English Ivy which personally I find is a bit of a rubbish house plant for me anyway because unless you've got a an unheated space where this can hang. Generally, it gets a bit unhappy and crispy at home. But I thought that I might be selling this question a bit short. So I went over to the Facebook group and asked there. And of course, you guys came up trumps. Samantha pointed out that many people force daffodils indoors, and she thinks that primulas could also be grown indoors as long as they're not too warm. Uh, Mary suggested heart's tongue fern might be able to live indoors. I've never tried this, I think you'd need a pretty cool room for that to work, but definitely worth a go. Uh, Lindsay said that some geranium and oxalis, uh, the rusty little one with the yellow flowers, uh, I know the one you mean, Lindsay, uh, and ivy leaf toad flax, which is, you know, that's actually one of my favourite plants. Uh, She says that does all right inside. Um, I'm definitely going to be giving that a try. Oh, and she also mentioned sedums. As did Susanna, who says that she's picked sedum album from outside, not a valuable wildflower habitat just from near a train station. And it did really well indoors, although it's usually sold as an outdoor or a roof plant. And she's also grown sedum acre indoors. Alex told me that she enjoys growing English ivy and she knows someone who grows one on the tile walls of her bathroom. Um, And she just let it go wild in there, which sounds amazing. Love to see a picture of that. Amy says that she doesn't have any luck with English ivy either. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, But she did then put it into her bathroom, which has a skylight and finds that it grows pretty well there. And then Wayne says it's probably cheating, but I've seen holly, oak, willow and maple grown as bonsais. That's true, but I think a lot of bonsais tend to need to be outside. But if you're growing one of those kind of bonsais inside, do let me know. Uh, Interestingly, I'd like to ask that question. Would people like an episode on bonsais? If you'd like one, give me a shout and I'll see what I can do. Well, I hope that's kind of answered your question, Pine Snake. There are a few more plants that I thought, but still, we are very much reliant on plants from other countries to supply our wonderful house plant collections. So yes, at this time of political upheaval here in the UK, that's definitely something worth remembering. If you're not a member of our Facebook group yet why on earth not? Join immediately. Uh, If you wish to, of course. You can find the details on the show notes. It's houseplant fans of On The Ledge. You'll find there's a few questions to answer and you can't get into the group unless you answer them. So do tap out your answers and whoosh you'll be in as quick as you like. Thanks to the excellent work of my two moderators, Amy and Nathaniel. Thanks, guys. And thank you to my new Patreon subscribers this week, that's Andrew, Corrie and Courtney. Welcome guys, I hope you enjoy listening to the episodes of An Extra Leaf that are available, including An Extra Leaf number 17, which gives my very first impressions of my trip to the Netherlands, including some fascinating stuff about sustainability and how glass houses in the Netherlands are turning themselves into mini power plants. Find out how to become a Patreon subscriber via my website, janeperone.com. Just a donation of $5 or more a month will get you access to all that extra good stuff. But if that's too much for your purse, I totally understand. You could just give a dollar a month just to support the show. That means just as much. Or there's lots of other ways to support the show. From leaving a review on your choice of pod app to telling your friends about the show. Oh, and I've written a Christmas gift guide, which is all based around things that are made by individuals or very, very small companies, mostly handmade, handcrafted products, which are all plant related. I'd love you to check it out. It's on my website, janeperone.com. Just click on the blog category and I'll also link it in the show notes today. Do go and take a look and support these individuals making lovely planty things. I'll be back next week with more reflections from my Netherlands trip. But for now, keep your pecker up and your glossy leaves dust free. Bye. The music you heard in this week's episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops and Overthrown by Josh Woodward, both licensed under Creative Commons. See my website for details.